Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's get it done, realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our fields. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. Today, we are going to talk to TJ and Wally. Hi, guys. Say hi. Hello. Hey. So let me tell you a little bit about TJ and Wally. And then we're going to get into what they're doing that's super interested. So first, these guys have been friends for years through their wives. They actually became friends through their wives. And actually, Wally, back in, I think, 2014, stacked chairs at TJ's wedding, which I think is fantastic. That is full service friend. They're good friends who right now live about 15 minutes apart, but they're about to be like almost next door besties, which is fantastic. So here's some interesting things. TJ is in IT, right? Wally is an Alcova lender. And so they've been friends a long time, but they've kind of taken this journey and from this journey have formed this secondary business, which is very interesting that we're going to talk about with short-term rentals. So we're going to get into that as well. So the fact that one is an IT and one is a lender, they have some experience and some expertise that they've put together to kind of give this great experience to their clients. So we're not going to be talking about the lending and technology aspect, a little bit about the technology. But what we're going to talk about is a short-term rental business that they've really adopted to take great care of clients and their properties in a different way. So we're going to get into that. First, what's the name of your business, Wally? Blue Ridge Escapes. Blue Ridge, ooh, Blue Ridge Escapes. I would like a Blue Ridge Escape right today. I am ready for a nice escape. We've been working hard. So in the short-term rental business, you guys talked to me about it. At first, I was like, huh, you said you really co-host. You don't manage the properties. You co-host the property, right? So explain the difference between that, if you would, so people understand. I think the biggest difference is that the owner is always in control of their money. And so management to me would be, you know, owners completely removed and is totally separate where we more partner with our owners. And so we handle all the communication for all their clients, for all their renters through our system. But the owner is always involved, always knows what's going on. And then any funds that come off their bookings goes directly to them. We're working more of like a service provider. So TJ, did you kind of come up with that? Were you the iTech genius, the IT kind of smarts behind putting all of the systems together? Yeah, I like to subscribe to the philosophy of working smarter, not harder. So anytime, you know, when Wally and I were started our journey together and renting one of our own, you know, I was looking for ways to make our process ourselves smoother. So that's why you know, I started looking at the system to make it run smoother from the IT side. Yes. Which is fantastic. Because like, you know, I think a lot of owners, it's like, oh, I have this pretty property and maybe I can stage it. Maybe I can't. Because as you go online, you see, you're like, oh, maybe I have some knowledge at this, but kind of putting the whole platform together and running all the systems is the key, right? Where I don't know how do I collect the money and oh boy, I need to have an escrow or whatever it may be. And now I've got to set up the maintenance. So I think that's fantastic. So we're going to get into some of the, how this works, but if someone called you and said, okay, I could, I always use Airbnb as a verb, right? Like Google is a verb now sort of Airbnb, but if we've got Airbnb or booking or VRBO, all of these platforms, what makes you different? So Wally, what would you say you guys came up with a little bit of a different philosophy in doing it? So what's the difference you think? I think on our side, we've built it to where we've made a replicatable product over and over and over between all of our properties. So it's more kind of like Airbnb, a collective platform or a group, you know, that everyone wants to be a part of like a community. Our owners are kind of joining a community with Blue Ridge Escapes. And so every property that we run and manage and help set up is done exactly the same way. And so they're getting into a product that's the same across the board. And so a lot of our renters will book in one spot and then they'll book in another. 
so we can kind of keep trading, you know, renters back and forth between properties. That's kind of our biggest difference, I would say. And we try to keep everybody locally driven around here. But we're not just out there pushing properties online, you know, on Facebook. We're just doing ads and like paying thousands and thousands of dollars a month and then charging that back to the owners. We're doing our own personal advertising on Facebook, but then also driving across all those separate platforms too. And the biggest thing, like we talked about, was really removing the owner from having to do all of their regular things. So we want them to own a second home that they can enjoy and not have to have, own a second job. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's, I mean, I have enough already, right? So if I want to have a property, even just having one rental property, right? When something goes wrong, it's always at 1030 at night. And you think, ooh, or you're on a plane somewhere. And oh, that's ideal. So not having to deal yeah. with that certainly is a bonus. So Wally, you live on a farm. So both of you, so it's like you guys are such good friends. You even both have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, right? So I mean, you also, Wally, have a two-year-old, but you guys both have five and three-year-olds. So you got little kids, you got businesses, you're busy, you have a farm too. And I always thought because you said you would flip houses for fun. It's sometimes not that fun, but kind of tell us COVID hits, right? You're stuck on the farm. What happened? How did this kind of come about? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So COVID hits. And we were just stuck at the house and, you know, doing a bunch of loans and like, we got to go somewhere and you couldn't go anywhere unless you owned it. So this house at the lake came up on the market and you know what, let's go look at it. And we went down there and you know, we wanted the place we could have to go with the family and we all hang out and PJ's wife and him and his kids were there. And he said, you looking for a partner? Like, sure. So I literally just want somewhere I can get away, go do something. And so we jumped into it together, bought the house, fully furnished, turnkey, ready to go. Those owners just didn't want anymore. So we thought we would use it just us. And then we started thinking, about, you know, we could make some money on this thing. And, you know, especially during 2020, people from the big cities just wanted to get away. And so we listed it shortly after closing and first booking with someone from New York City for 30 days, which we since have learned that you don't necessarily always want long bookings because then they, when we first set it up, they got a huge discount for that 30 days. So it started with that. And we're like, well, now we get to get this awesome place. It's right on the lake. We can use it with our family, but then we can let other people pay for it. And so I think it really clicked for us when we got through that first six months and like we looked down at our account and we're like, you know, we've never paid for anything at this house, never paid for an electric bill, never paid for the insurance, nothing. We let other people pay for our investment while we still got to play at it. So I think the experience rental at that point, like, all right, this is doable. And then it kind of started to snowball after that. So I picked up another one with another friend. The same thing happened. I'm like, man, this has happened twice. Me and the other friend never paid a payment on that house. And so, yeah, just kind of took off from there. And then, you know, one, two, then we started helping other people do it. So I think it's interesting because for people that don't know, and I, believe me, I was one of them. So with the second home, you can buy it. You can short-term rent it or rent it. You mentioned you have to maintain control over it, right? So that has to be something that you're obviously involved in. You have to use it. I think it's at least 14 days a year. I think we had talked about. So I have to occupy that house at least two weeks a year. But if you think about it, you know, a second home, which we've absolutely wanted to do and been looking for and at Smith Mountain Lake, funny enough. So we've seen, and those prices, as everyone knows, everywhere it's skyrocketed. So we're sort of, I'm not wishing anyone to lose anything, but I would love a couple good deals to come along, right? So that we can get one. But <laughs> so think about like, okay, second home, right? So now the realtor brain on me and you guys are lenders too, but it's like, ooh, right now, who might be in a position, right? Who's looking to invest that would like a second home or a short-term rental or investment property. I certainly have been thinking about doing it for quite some time. 
I think really the lake, the beach, the mountains, these places that people want to go. And of course, you're exactly right. During COVID, we just all wanted to go somewhere and we had these restrictions. But I think that's not going to go away. The desire to rent homes versus hotels isn't going to change, right? I think so that if they are financially able to do it, it's a great idea. So with your company, so what I really like is there's benefits, I would say to let's call it the consumer, the potential owner way before even purchase and then after purchase. Because I think one of the things is, all right, I'm thinking of buying this property. So I don't know how it's not always the case that there's not like a full rental history with it. I would fully expect to see that maybe I'm a realtor and I think this way, but if I'm going to buy something and want to rent it out, I want to know, you know, the things about it. But you guys, depending of course on the area, like you may not know the area or have resources there, but you are a resource that you can kind of give us that data. So I'm the consumer now. I can ask you for, hey, can you check this property out at least online, right? And let me know. Let's say I'm thinking of a short-term rental. Will this be a viable property for me? So how do you do that? So a good example of that is Jason Helmenthaler the other day sent an email on a property at the Greenbrier. And so it was Saturday, and so I sent TJ, I said, hey, can we run some numbers on this? So we can pull some data from all different sources to show, and it's, it's multiple different places we kind of have to compile together from, but we can show what the average house is going to rent for, get a range, how many occupied days are likely going to happen. You can get super granular, but really make a quick decision in the basics. So we got the address, and you know, within... No time, TJ sent over. It was a $160,000 house listed near the Greenbrier. So $160,000 investment was going to average two sixteen dollars a night, three seventeen dollars during the peak, $160,000 during the off-season at a 55% occupancy rate, estimated revenue $43,000. So obviously, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'll buy it. Tell Jason to call me. <laughs> yeah. And it was furnished. You know, oh, it's furnished. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean... We can run those numbers quickly and be able to say, absolutely, this makes a ton of sense. It's a good bet. Now, on the flip side, you know, we can also run it for other areas that maybe they're at the beach, but they're not having our houses and they're only going to rent. Oh, yeah. Similar, we can say, hey, it depends on what you want here. Do you want to make a bunch of money or do you just want to kind of break even on it? And for a beach house, people, that's really what they want. It's just to barely break even or lose a little bit. So we can kind of give a good idea of what to expect. And I will say, a lot of our projections, end up being right around, if not slightly better. So we don't try to shoot the moon, you know, and really overshoot somebody and tell them they're going to make $100,000 on a 160 house. One point I did want to make there, we talked about like getting the rental history from places. And actually all the places that we worked with don't have a rental history because we're not necessarily looking to help people take over an existing Airbnb, yeah. you know, when they're going to purchase one, we do have several clients who have had been running theirs and then we've helped them take it over because it just saved them time and, and effort. You know, we've taken over the hosting of that, but we really also help people take a house that's just a normal house list on the market. Yes. Hey, is this going to be viable as an Airbnb? Yeah, well, that's great, right? Because For right sure. now, there are investors out there looking who, I mean, again, sometimes you think you know, but really having that, I mean, I'm a realtor, I sell houses every day, I can tell you value, but is this a great rental? Well, how much will it rent for nightly is not something I would pretend to know or quote and not be sure of. Thinking vacancy rates, you know, what are their projections? Those are, of course, the things I need to know. So let's say, let's take this through, I'm going to be acquiring this property. So now I make the decision and I buy it. So I buy the house, woohoo! And so now I think, okay, I want you to help me move forward because I want to make sure everyone understands what other services you offer, which I think are pretty impressive. So now I own it. So I call Wally and say, well, I own this house now. So then what do you do? So at that point, we have a contract. 
So we're going to go through, we're going to sit down, look at our, our agreement. We have a list of basic items. Here's the absolute bare minimum basics that we're going to have to do. Usually we've not seen the house at that time. We've seen pictures. So we've got a few different employees that will set up to go over there, go through the house. They have a checklist that we have that they get need to go through and make sure we got everything. So the basic things, but trash cans, soap, dishes, things that sound silly, but most people don't think about. And most owners will say, there we go. And we don't need that to happen. And then we go over there and it's just the bare minimums. So we send her over. She goes through, puts purchase order together. We then order all those items for the owner. We incur the call. And then we get them brought back to the house. And, you know, it might be as simple as putting the basic spices in the house and get some extra trash bags and cleaning supplies. Or, you know, hey, we need to buy all the beds, assemble all the beds, decorating, artwork, whatever. So she handles all that, gets everything put together. We're ready for our pictures. The house is basically pre-cleaned, have all the beds made. And so whatever the house is going to look like when someone steps in is what we want to be for pictures. So then we send our photographer out. He does aerial photos, everything, every angle you can imagine. And then we get those back, and that's when we basically take it and start syndicating across all of our different websites. And that's where the owner usually go ahead and start blocking off their dates because once these houses hit, graduation is a great example. If you think you want your house during graduation weekend, you better block it because that's going to be the first weekend gone almost every time. Yeah. So you really, you get it ready. You buy the games, no lemon squeezers. I need you guys to add this to the amenities required because I like a lemon drop and there's never a lemon squeezer. So if you could have one in your houses, I'd really appreciate that. So you get it all together and then you photograph it. You help me get it rented. You also, though, are helping me on the maintenance, right? So you're coordinating the cleanings when people leave. You're helping me with maintenance issues if I'm the owner. So really, I don't have to be involved at all. I can be in the back end. I'm certainly receiving the money. That's fantastic. I can be somewhat involved if I want to with client comments or anything. But frankly, I don't have to do anything, right? So you handle all that for me. We do. So yeah, so cleaning is just the basic. That's going to happen every time, no matter what. But the bigger things like your yard maintenance, so we schedule all that. We try to get every owner on quarterly pest management. Yes, please do. Some, some want to do it, some don't want to do it, but try to get everybody pushed onto that. We coordinate everything as far as that goes. Trash pickup, we literally have people that will go around because that's one thing people don't think about on short-term rentals is that people go for four days and create a ton of trash. Yes. And you can't really ask your renter to take a trash can out to the road yes. on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. And so that's one thing that's a hard thing to overcome on as far as our side. So we literally had people that would go and get trash or we, you know, pay the cleaners to, to take trash with them. But, but yeah, so we coordinate everything like that. Regular maintenance items, light bulbs, filters, all those kind of things. Owners don't, don't even have to think about that. Larger maintenance items, we will reach out to the owner. We have a monetary amount in our contract that we agree upon with the owner to where we need to call or not call. Okay. So, for example, we had property middle of the night, major windstorm hit. And a tree fell on the heat pump. Ooh. Now, luckily, the people that were staying there were extremely savvy. So they went and cut the breaker off. They had backup heat, but they went ahead and called and said, don't worry about it. Just, you know, whatever you can get somebody here. So that night, we had somebody go over, cut up trees, you know, getting it safe. And then we went ahead and scheduled for a couple different HVAC quotes to come out. And so he didn't have to be involved at all. We, we got the total cost of that, passed it along to him. He paid. He got a brand new heat pump put in. Yeah, the one important part about that is just regarding the response time and the, the owner obligations. The owner was happy to let us take care of that because that happened the day before Christmas Eve. So that's something we were able to take care of for you know the owner was able to continue his holiday and we're handling getting taken care of for him. 
like you said, it, it always happens at those inconvenient times. Oh, it's never going to be. It's going to be 1030 at night or two in the morning. When frankly, I don't want to have to be because if it's my second home or short-term rental, I probably don't live right down the street. I don't know who the right HVAC company is to use. And frankly, I've got enough in my life that I need you to deal with it. But I don't particularly, other than if you're going to give me two estimates, I'd like to approve one. But other than that, I don't need to be in the weeds of that because I don't know those people like you would have more contact. I would say, I think one thing that owners kind of fall short on, you know, if you're trying to run your own short-term rental versus the benefit of using, you know, another company to do it for you, with a short-term rental, you know, it's not like a hotel. Yes, they're there to have a short-term stay, but something goes wrong. You can't just say, hey, yeah, you know, when you're gone, we'll fix it. Yeah. So a good example would be wash and dryer went bad for somebody here recently. And I mean, they were there for quite a while. They had to wash clothes. And so it's hard to tell them, go to the laundromat. And so we literally sent someone there to go take their laundry if they wanted us to, take their laundry, wash it for them, bring it back. So you have to be ready to provide over and above service at all times. And most owners that are doing it solo, I don't think are ready to do that every time because you have to knock out the park. You can't just hit singles. You better be hitting home runs all the time. And so while that person didn't take us up on that offer, they still love that we tried to, you know, send the personal person to come wash your laundry. Yes. As everyone's hearing this, I know one question I had was, okay, so how do you get paid? What are the fees? So what are my upfront fees, my setup photo fees from the beginning? How much is that? Initially, when we start the contract, we'll do a setup fee, flat fee of $750. And that covers all of our time and expenses to get the property set up, get it listed online. That does include the pictures of the property, everything we need to get it listed. We're you know, probably taking a hit there that costs us to offset our cost to get it set up. And then there we have a amount of 20% off of their gross payout. So they're not paying us a percentage of fees that they're never seeing. They're paying us 20% of their payout. Right. They're so they're actually gross. getting into their account. So you're definitely no way making money on the setup. Because if you're ordering my games and my lemon squeezer and, you know, making sure my house is set up and paying for the photos, that for sure is something you're doing but you could probably charge more. So that's insanely reasonable. And then the 20% is after fees, right? So of the gross, and I just get to not deal with it, except go in my portal and say, these are the dates I want. Yep. Exactly. And I think that with the setup fee, you know, the reason that we do it like that is because we're getting into this with you. And so we want everyone to be successful together. So we, you know, we're willing to help out on our side. There's some setup fees out there, two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. And so, you know, same thing for the monthly rate. 20, 30, 40%. So we're treating people like we would want to be treated and working with the individuals that are like-minded as far as how we want to do things. Yeah. I mean, that's listen, again, to me, it's a service, right? For someone that, again, it's my second home. Frankly, I'm a realtor. A lot of people don't order their HVAC cleanings on their primary home. <laughs> we yeah. go to sell and it's like, oh, it's been four years since someone's been here. Oh, that's not good. So imagine having to think about that times two on another house that you are only in maybe two to three weeks a year. And that only also will make my house, all my systems last longer, right? If you're making sure my HVAC is clean and there's no bugs, because no bugs, nobody wants bugs in their house. So if you're, you know, going above and beyond with those things as well, that's a massive benefit to me as that owner, because then my home only is lasting longer in terms of systems and how it runs. And that's why, you know, we get, obviously, no matter what, you're going to get pushback. Just like when interest rates were 3%, people want 2%. For now that they're 6 they still want 5 It doesn't matter. So at 20%, People want 10%, like a long-term rental, right? Well, let's think about what a long-term rental company does. Yeah. There could be six months where they only collect payment, and that's that. 
and they might take a couple things of water leak every now and then, but you're still getting bills for that. So they're making 10% to do one contact per month. Whereas our 20, we're ha- everything. I mean, we're talking, there's some properties where it's 20, 30, 40 contacts a month between inquiries, questions, during stay questions. You'd be surprised. Some people ask you 15 questions before they book a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of our big thing. We chose an amount that has to make sense for everybody involved without going crazy at the potential companies where they're 30, 35%. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it has to make sense because every four days, well, let's say it's seven, three, every seven, three days, trash, the cleaning, you know, oh, this broke. Yeah. I mean, oh, the glass, you know what I mean? It's this constant, you know, do over and then the sheets and the wash, you know, all these things that you have to account for. So I think that's totally reasonable. I'm a realtor and a lender. Most of our audience and my husband, hey, honey, because he listens, he's great. So if Philippe's listening to this, then of course, thinking about an investment property, thinking about a short-term rental, but making sure if I'm going to get into that as a consumer or as the realtor, let's say, involving them, making sure that we ask the right questions, right? So first, let's in a short-term rental. First of all, in our area, there are a lot of HOAs or neighborhoods that don't allow them. So it's the homework that they have to do that, you know, you just can't always get one. So if there's any sort of association, it's, is it even allowed? Right. And then, you know, even in neighborhoods where we got to teach them, is it appropriate here? Because are the neighbors, even if it's okay, quote unquote, are you going to have problems based on community, based on expectations? So I think, and then again, what's my vacancy rate? What am I going to make potentially not overshooting it? understanding neighborhoods, sections, there's a lot going into it. So having the data that you run as well, and especially if there are areas you know where, you know, this is going to be a problem because I want to avoid all of that as much as possible. It's not just a covenant and restriction in the end, but that's the basics, right? So making sure someone like you guys, my realtor knows what they know, but I don't know what I don't know in terms of other obstacles I can face. So having that entity or you guys that can advise me in the areas that you do, if this makes sense. Yeah, I think that one person that for sure you, an agent would want to partner with an attorney who is versed in those things. And I'll say, and I'll give his name out here. Jim Gilbert is a guy that is very well known in, the, in that space and has fought the Supreme Court of Virginia for short-term rentals. And so in our area, there's probably, there is no better attorney, I would say, but for that Getting all your covenants and restrictions and everything reviewed by an attorney before you make that jump to know that if someone were to ever try to have a standoff with you on it, you already know what your position would be. That'd be the first thing. I would never tell a lender or an agent to read a covenant and say, you know, it says that business uses is not okay. You know, you should be fine. So there's different covenants that can be read 10 different ways. And so I would have an attorney that's willing to stand behind it. Well, let's say I'm the next door neighbor. Now I'm mad because I don't think it's allowed and I'm annoyed that people are leaving every five days. I'm going to cause a problem, even if I, in theory, can't. So I think knowing those things, but then, you know, also, so then there's the realtor, there's the attorney, but again, that extended team, there's also the lender because, oh, I want to buy an investment property. Well, do I want to buy a second home? You know, which I believe you can still put 10% down. However, we can't necessarily count rental payments or anything as income. Do I want to buy an investment property, right? A standard investment property, put 15 or 20% down, offset some payments. Like this is where then talking to you with your other hat on, right? As a lender that says, hey, I need to make sure what can I do? What can I do? What makes more sense to me versus make any assumptions? Once I've confirmed, first of all, yes, this would make sense as an investment or short-term rental, right? And then make sure that financing wise, I do the right thing too. Exactly. That's 
you know, when I start these conversations, it's always like, what is your true use going to be? And that right there will drive the rest of it. Because if they truly want to use it as a second home, then we'll go that route. But if their true use is to just 100% rent it out all the time, every day, all day, every day, well, then we're going to, you know, we're not going to secure any law to, to make this thing happen. So then we're going to push it to investment. And there's very little difference between the two now. Rates are very similar. The only big difference is just your down payment percentage, you know, so 10% second home versus 15, 20% investment. Uh, so it's, it's not as big a difference as it used to be. Yeah, but still knowing that, right? So, and then if I'm a realtor looking for investors, right? Really working with investors, understanding. So as a niche, because really what you guys did is created a niche, right? You found a niche that you've created and are working. So if I'm a realtor, a lender, especially as market has changed, I need to have a niche. So if I'm an agent thinking of, if I should be working with investors. I need to first understand very well myself, but teach my clients or potential clients about short-term rentals. Is it appropriate? in an area? Do I want it as a second home? What do I need for my investment home portfolio? What data should I know if I'm going to get into this? Right? So I think there's also for lenders, if you have a huge clientele of investors, really being able to advise them and guide them as well. So thinking about who's out buying right now, right? So everyone's again, the market's changed. It's not as fun as when you know, I you know, the phone just rang and oh, yay, now it's been hard. But it's like, okay, who's buying? And how can I educate myself further? So you guys kind of took something that you were like, oh, we're going to do this. And then you saw an opportunity to offer, you know, better service and experience to your clients as well as yourselves and what you needed. So you have found this niche that you're both really good at and you've learned a lot about, right? And now you're also a resource to others, which is fantastic, right? You're able to guide others as well as help them, of course, if they own a property, but you have this knowledge. And again, you've put this, we'll call it a package, but write this experience together that people can use to then have this property that doesn't just also become a massive headache for them, which is fantastic. So a couple things as we were talking offline, we were talking about a couple lessons, right? And Wally gave one lesson, which I am now going to cringe forever and literally, but what did you say you never buy? Oh, you never buy if you have a short-term We went and property. bought our first house. We went and bought, so like I think it was bed in the bags. I think that's what they're called, but it's like the cheap comforter and you cannot wash comforters over and over and over. Cause you, I mean, you're talking every four or five days you're washing when someone's leaving. And so we wore out a comforter fast. So that was just a lost money. And so we invested in much better bedding. Now, hindsight, we were washing these comforters so much. That's when I learned that like your hotels don't wash a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, they wash the top or they wash the sheets. They don't wash the top cover. And so a lot of your places you go to with quilts, same thing. You can't wash a quilt all the time. So they wash all the sheets and everything else, which I think is disgusting. So with ours, we have duvet covers and, you know, high quality thread count sheets. And so when you get into it, you know, you got a fresh cover every time on a duvet blanket and then new pillowcases every time. And so I think investing in the bedding is the way to go for sure. And then as that the big, consumer, yeah. as the one who was always like, that's a cute quilt with all the dolphins on it, right? That there's no way they're washing. That's ugh. so really the lesson you consumers. So this is how helpful these guys are. Not only can they help you manage your short-term rental, but the next time when you go to one of these properties and it has a quilt, maybe don't use it. I was thinking about maybe you throw in the dryer, just, you know, a nice little hot dryer. But yeah, it's one of those things that you think about and you're like, oof, so duvets. 
you guys are taking care of people to the level of duvets. Thank you very yeah. much for that. Yeah, every property yeah. just makes it easier. It, it makes more sense because they can be washed every time. It can you know, be dried a lot quicker than a quilt. It reduces turnover time, but it also you know, makes that experience for the guest better. Because at the end of the day, that like this is what this is all about. The guest, when you're paying good money to go stay at a, a short-term or a vacation rental, you're not wanting to go in and pre-wash the sheets yourself before you go to sleep at night. Yeah, things are hectic when you get there. You want this to be done for you. So yeah, it's all about providing that experience. And that's you know, one of our lessons learned that helps us do that. Well, again, another piece of that would be towels. We think originally we went with like, you know, this is years ago, but we went with the cheap Walmart $5 towels. And over time, you realize, you know, that stuff doesn't hold up. And so you end up buying better stuff later. And so now, you know, it's trial and error and a lot of stuff when you first get started with things. But so, you know, investing in the right towels and hand towels and washcloths that are going to last a whole lot longer just for paying a little bit extra money. Yes. Right. Which is just like the service you provide. People want everything as inexpensively, which makes sense. But there's often a reason something is cheaper, right? So the amount of service that you need, like, again, we all want a deal. We all want to spend less money, but we also want to be super well taken care of. I think it's really great. The number one, I love that you two are great friends. I love that you came up with a business that came out of purchases that you made, but that now can help people with investment properties, manage them with a little more ease, but also before they even buy them, make sure that it makes sense for what their purpose is. So I think that's fantastic. And I think people that are listening, so no, you may not start doing what these guys are doing, but you've got to think about... They found a niche that they're really good at, that they've created something that helps people. But on our ends as well as the realtors and lenders, it's that niche of helping the clients who would like to be investors and understanding what can work and what doesn't work in our areas. And then if we're anywhere close to you two, it's sending clients your way that you could take care of their properties. So I want to thank you both very much for joining me today on Real Estate Unscripted. And if you think of any more hints for all of us and the Airbnbs and places and your places that we stay that like are a, a no-go, make sure you let me know and I'll share with them as time goes by. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. You're so welcome. Yes. Thank you so much. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and home buyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.